Who can name that theme song? Oh, come on. Somebody can name that theme song we just played. What was it? Danger Zone. Oh, that, no, that was that one. The one that played with that video. Oh, come on, there's no video game nerds in here? It's Mario Brothers. Come on. Oh, my goodness. You disappoint. You all need to go home, pull out the old Nintendo, and then start playing some Mario Bros. You'll learn it. Oh, man. Well, good morning, everyone. We're glad you're here. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Hey, just wanted to cap on real quick the importance of the Labor Day weekend. So while it is we're just doing one service, this isn't a weekend for you guys just to take off and just do all that. This is a weekend we really want you to go out and invite all your friends that are teachers, that are administrators, that, um, that are students that are going back to school. And we want, that service is going to be a special time where we're going to pray for those students um, through that. Jackson, what are you doing? Oh, I thought you said this message was about games. It, it, it's a message about games. Are you playing games? Of course, I'm playing Pokemon Go. Well, it makes sense. This is a Pokestop. So, uh, oh, I, yeah, I see that. Oh. Well, looks like you caught him. The suspense is killing us all. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, have fun. Go and try to catch some more Pokemon. You know, this is a Pokemon stop, and, you know, I've seen, I've seen uh, some of, uh, I've seen your brother over here um, getting some Poke, Poke stuff out there outside my window and stuff, but you know it is about the game. Um, but, we, hey, we want, we want you to invite your teachers, your friends, and everything to be a part of the, the weekend um, on Labor Day weekend because this is an outreach. We want to invite them there. We're going to cook out for them, but, and we're going to also pray for all the students, all the teachers. We're going to gather them right up here. We're going to pray for them all as they get started off on the school year. Um, you know, this heat, it's been killing us. How many people are tired of the heat? And how many people were out of power yesterday for a while? Wow, only a couple of us in here, half of the Salem Fields neighborhood. Um, but thank goodness God was good and got it back on because it was hot. Um, but, you know, um, we are kicking off the series this weekend. Um, this, uh, this weekend we're talking about the game and uh, the game of life. You know, there's all kinds of different games that we can equate to our life. And this weekend we're going to be talking about the game of risk in particular. Um, but before we get started on that, I just wanted to make another announcement that Pastor Michelle next weekend is going to be having family game night here. Um, so we want you to bring your games and everything. I was going to bring some of my favorite games, but I renamed them. So this is what my, my, one of my favorite games uh, here is. Instead of Clue, Homicide for Ages 8 and Up. Makes sense? Um, this, uh, how to find out that everyone went to a better school than you. I'm terrible at this. There's no spell check on Scrabble, so I always lose. Um, Life, a fun-filled afternoon of raising kids and buying insurance. Um, it's a good one. Uh, the game of yelling back, uh, yelling and bookkeeping. 
Yahtzee, hey, Howard loves this game in our finance team. They, I think they play it um, on their finance meeting. And then Risk, the game of hiding out in Australia to the very end. And uh, hey, I can equate, I mean, that's the, that's, the, that's the strategy, right? Everyone can't get to the backside of you if you hide in Australia. So, um, but you know, this is, it, it, the game of risk does equate to our lives. We have to take risks. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it requires, it's a game of strategy. It requires us to be uh, thinking about the moves that we're going to make in order to win. And um, it's no different than that in our life, that we have to be willing to take risks. We have to figure out the strategies of life so we can move in and, and win. You know, God gives us strategies and, um, and moves that we can make um, that require risk in order for us to be successful in life. But sometimes we have to be, uh, and it comes with a cost. You know, there are risk takers out there. I mean, you know, um, you, could, you could be one of those people that takes the barrels down the waterfall in Niagara Falls. That's, that's being a risk taker. Um, the guy that walks the high wire across all these crazy things, that's being a risk taker. Um, but he's not necessarily winning life. You know, um, some of you might say crossing Gordon Road here would be a risk taker. But, hey, you can be a greater risk taker if you cross Gordon Road blindfolded and on a unicycle. That'd be a great risk taker. Some of you, some of you, not me. I'm, I'm just putting this disclaimer out on this next one, okay? So none of you can go back to gay and say anything. But some of you might say eating your mother-in-law's cooking is being a risk taker. <laughs> My mother-in-law doesn't cook very much. So my father-in-law cooks, but, um, you know, so no going back to her, but it's even a greater risk if you say that out loud. Yeah. So, but that, and that's definitely not going to make you win in life by saying that, you know, there's some really good examples of people being risk takers out there and things that we can do. And the Bible's filled with stories of people being risk takers. They're filled. I mean, throughout the old Testament, we grew up learning the Bible stories of, of people that took risk and they took the right risk because they took the risk that led them to life because they were being obedient to God. I'm going to share two stories that I personally like the best um, when it comes to, to this, and it's not going to be your classic David and Goliath or anything like that. I'm going to talk a little bit about the life of Peter, and then I'm going to talk about the life of this woman that took a risk to, to touch the robe of Jesus. Now, to set up the story of Peter, we understand, and you can turn your Bibles if you want to. You can go ahead and go to Matthew 14, um, and we're going to be starting in verse 22. But before this, before we get to Peter, we have to understand what's happening. That Jesus just got done feeding the 5,000. And, um, and so Jesus now sends his disciples and say, hey, go ahead and cross, get on the boat and cross the sea, and, um, and I'll catch up with you later. They probably assumed that Jesus was going to be taking a boat over at a later point in time. Now, understand this as well as they're traveling across the sea at night, which would be very uh, unheard of uh, in those time of day because the water was a place where they thought evil would come out of at night. And so they would be scared to take this voyage. But yet they were being obedient to, to, to Jesus and saying, okay, we're going to go and we'll go. So, so... So immediately after this, it starts in verse 22, it says, immediately after this, Jesus told his disciples to get in their boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he stayed to get the, get the people started home. He wanted to move the people along and get them back home. Then afterwards, he went into the hills to pray, and night fell on the lake, and the disciples were tr in trouble. For the wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy seas. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now, that would be pretty scary, don't you think? You're out there in the sea. Here you are, you're already scared to be in this boat. 
and there's the disciples, and they're scared to death to be out there because they think evil things happen. And then all of a sudden you see this man walking on the water towards you. And they, they, they were scared. They thought this was a ghost. They thought this was an evil spirit coming at them. But a Jesus, Jesus immediately spoke to them, reassuring them, do not be afraid, he said. Well, then Peter called out, sir, if that's really you, tell me to come over to you walking on the water. All right, the Lord said, come along. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he looked around and at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and rescued him. Oh, man of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. This is a story that took risk. First of all, all the disciples took the risks to get in the boat and to travel overseas at night, which we kind of already stated that. But then, if Peter had to take a risk. You know, Peter had to take this risk of trusting that this was Jesus that was walking on the water, and to believe that and to step out into the water. I mean, the risk was there. How many of us, what would happen if we stepped out there? If I was to go out to Lake Anna right now, and, and saw some person walk across the water, and I, they said, hey, step out of the boat and walk, come, come walk to me. You know, I'd be a little freaked out. I'd be scared. And I know this body would sink. I don't float. My kids, they can swim, they can float. I, on the other hand, I sink. So there was risk in that. And Peter... Even in that, that moment, he stepped out, he had that faith, and he was able to walk on the water. But then he starts seeing all the stuff around him happening, all the waves crashing in, the winds picked up. He's walking on the water. It's still, this isn't, a, this isn't a calm sea that Jesus is walking on. This is a turbulent sea. And, and he's asking Peter to walk on it. So Peter does, and he's, wow, he's freaked out by the sense that he's not sinking. But then he starts looking at the things around him. And it starts to creep in on his life. Even though he was willing to take the risk, he creeps in on his life, he starts focusing on those things, and then instead of where he should be focusing on, he begins to sink. And he cries out with, for help, and Jesus saves him. There was great risk in what Peter did, and there was great risk in what the disciples did, and you see that when Peter put his faith back in Christ, that the wind, and they got back in the boat, the storm stopped. Another story that kind of goes along with taking risk is, is in Luke. It's in Luke chapter 8. It starts in verses 43. Understand here that Jesus was on the other side of the water. He's doing some miracles, performing miracles and, and all this. And, and he's, on this, he's on just crowds of people are always around him. And he's trying to take this journey to get somewhere. Well, Jairus, who this man that had this dying child was, uh, was dying, knew that Jesus was nearby and that if, just knew if Jesus could get there, that his child would be okay. Well, on the way there, so he sends word to Jesus and his disciples and say, can you please come and save my child? And Jesus says, yes. Well, on the way to this destination, Jesus gets stopped. The crowd stops. In this crowd of massive people, there's this woman that's in the crowd who's been bleeding for over 12 years. She's sick, and she reaches out and touches the robe of Jesus. And it says this, as, as they went, a woman who wanted to be healed came up behind and touched, touched him. 
For she had been slowly bleeding for 12 years and, and could find no cure, though she had spent everything she had on doctors. But in the instant she touched the edge of his robe, the bleeding stopped. Jesus asked, who touched me? Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, there are so many crowding against you. But Jesus told him, no. It was someone who deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go from me. When the woman realized that, that Jesus knew, she began to tremble and fell to her knees before him and told her why she had touched him. And now she was well. He says, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. There was risk in that woman reaching out, going through that, that crowd of, of the mob. She's not well. She's not feeling well. She's taking the risk to try to at least get to Jesus to find that healing. She's like, I know if I just touch him, he'll be healed. She has to take the risk to get there. Well, you have to understand that the culture in the day of that time, that women didn't have rights to be near men like that. And, and the fact that she would have done that could have cost her so much more. But yet, her faith is what saved her. Her faith is what gave her life. She took the risk and she was healed. You know, there's risks that are required for us to find healing. Just like in the board game, we need to figure out the risks that we, that we have to take in order to be successful in the game. You see, there's required moves. There's required strategy. And God has that for us. So what's God requiring of us? in order to win at the game of life. What risk is he asking from us? Well, first is that he, he's asking us to risk by putting our faith in who God is. We need to put our faith in who God is. You see, these people put their faith, Peter put their faith in who Jesus was, who was God, and, and he was, his life was spared. This woman put her faith in who Jesus was, who was God, and she was healed, and her life was spared. We need to understand who is God. Well, first of all, God is, he's omnipresent. That means he's always around. And we need to understand that God is right here, right now, with us. When you walk out those doors this morning, God is with you. When you get in your car, God is with you. You know, I, I equate this, understanding this, and it's given me some things to think about. You know, when, when God is always with you and he's He's supposed to be in charge. When he gives you a, an order or something that you should be doing in your life, you should do it immediately, but we put it off. You know, I equate that if I was back in the time when I was in the military, if I disobeyed the, the, the order that came from a commanding officer, I'd have been disciplined immediately. You don't disobey orders when they come from your commanding officer, do you? You, you act upon it immediately without question. But here we have our commanding officer of our life, God and we can disobey him. He's always around. His, he knows the actions that we take. He knows when we're not obeying him. You know, I was coming home from Richmond the other day. I had to take some stuff down to Christian, and, and we're coming back, and I was pretty tired. It was, it was kind of late at night, and um, I might have even dozed off a little bit on 95. I don't know. But all of a sudden I can remember is I see these bright flashing, uh, somebody's hitting their high beams on 95 because I'm in the left lane, and I guess I was doing 65 instead of 80. And, um, and so they wanted me to get over. Well, I couldn't get over. Well, they, came, they ended up coming around me, and they, they let me know who was number one um, on the road. And, and it was easy for me to, to find, like, man, that upset me. 
And I could have easily you know, put my foot to the pedal and, and kind of come up and given him my fist too. Um, and, but you realize God's always with me. I realize God's always with me. I need to just, you know what, I need to let it go and, and not, you know, high beam this guy back or do whatever and, and those things because God is with me and my actions matter even when I'm sitting in my car alone. You know, God is always there. It says in Jeremiah 23, um, 23 through 24, it says this, Am I God who is only in one place and cannot see what they are doing? Can anyone hide from me? Am I not everywhere in all of heaven and the earth? God's everywhere. He's with us. It's understand that when we were putting our faith in God, we need to know who he is. He's omnipresent. The Lord gazes down upon mankind from heaven where he lives. He has made their hearts and closely watches everything they do. It says in Psalms 33, 13 through 15. He's, on, he's not omnipotent. Jesus is all powerful. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. God is all powerful. You know, God can do anything and everything in our life. It doesn't matter what you're facing today. If you put, take the risk of putting God in your life and putting your faith in him, and who he says he is, you can be delivered beyond anything and every circumstance you're facing in your life. It may not be the way we see it or we want it, but God can do that. He is all powerful. I mean, Jesus was given all power. Jesus was God as man, and he was given all power. He healed this woman by just the fact that she touched his robe. He can calm the seas. I mean, the waves were crashing down the boat. He said, be still. How many of us can go outside and, and, and change the tide of the weather? He's all powerful. He raised people from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the grave. This boy, if you were to continue reading on beyond the story, Jairus comes, comes to Jesus after this woman is healed because Jesus is taking time to kind of figure out what's going on, you know, and, and, and who touched him and all that. Well, in this time, Jairus' child is dead. So Jairus is upset and comes to, to Jesus and says, he, he's no longer with us. But yet Jesus from there, not even being in the same location as this person, says, oh, go home. Your son is well. And he's living. He's all-powerful. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Do you understand that? Paul is telling us that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. This means he can do more than what we can even think about in our current situation that we're going through. According to the power that is work, at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his wisdom and knowledge and his riches. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his methods, as Romans 11.33 says. He knows far beyond what we can even see. He's all-present. Our God is all-present. He is all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. And when we have a God that's all-knowing... He knows what you're going through today. He knows that if you're struggling in life, that if you put the risk and take the risk to put your faith in him, that he will deliver you from that. He can see the circumstances. He's all-knowing. 
I, I love this illustration. Imagine this is everything, all the knowledge in the universe in the world. We only know this much of it. Where the pinky's down. God knows all of it. He knows everything that we're going through. So when we're trying to see blindly that we don't think that we know this much of what's going on in our life, God sees the rest of it. And he can deliver us beyond our circumstances because he's all-knowing. There's something you need to know about God and who he is. That God is spirit. John 4.24 says God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is life. For the Father is, is, has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to also have life in himself. This is John 5.26. God is light. This message of God has been given to us to pass on to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. As 1 John 1.5 states. I love this passage. I love this passage in talking about that God is light. You know, we live in a dark world. And in one of my favorite passages of scriptures is Psalms 23. And it talks up in there about how we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me. His rod and his, camp, his staff, they comfort me. You know what that means is when we're walking through a valley of shadows and we're walking into the shadows, in order to have a shadow, what do you have to have? Light. We're focused on the shadow that we're walking into, but there's a shadow being presented there because there's a light standing there behind us. And when we put our trust back in that and we turn to that light, there's God. He's going to provide us comfort. He's going to provide us peace. Because why? Because he's a God of love. Because he loves us. But if a person isn't loving and kind, it shows that he does not know God. For God is love. 1 John 4, 8. And when you put all this together, you understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second thing that we have, God's requiring for us to do to be successful and win in life is that we must trust him. We need to trust him. Well, you would say, Jason, what's the difference between putting faith in him and trusting him? Faith is believing in the things we don't see or understand. Trusting in him is by trusting in the evidence that God has placed in our life. By seeing the evidence of God's work in our life, that's where we put our trust in. And that's where trust comes, by trusting him. They go hand in hand because as you see the evidence of God working in your life, you trust him more, therefore you have more faith in him. But in order to get the trust for him to see the works that he's going to do in your life, you have to have faith in God. It says, believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. John 14, 11. You see, when you start putting your faith in God and you risk and put your faith in God, you can start trusting because you can start seeing the transforming power that he does in your life and maybe the lives of other people around you. And therefore, you have built trust for God. The third thing is, is that we risk by completely surrendering to God. Now, in the game of risk, you know, there's a time when you have to maybe surrender to somebody else on the board in order to actually win. When you're hiding out in Australia and everyone's coming in on you and their cards are piling up so they can get their armies and you got all, all you are is this little yellow container of guys and everyone's starting to use three or four different containers because they have so many armies that you start to build an alliance. You surrender to somebody there so that you can 
gain advantage in life. Well, the surrendering here is a little different. By completely surrendering to God, you need to surrender and give of yourself completely. You do need to give in. You need to wave the white flag. It goes counterintuitive to the actual game of risk to actually wave the white flag and give up because therefore you wouldn't win the game. But we need to surrender completely to God. And we need to surrender our plans and the will we have for our life. We need to surrender that plan that we think that we need to do. We need to surrender our plans and let God's plans take over. You see, Jesus had to surrender to God and his will to be done. It says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet my will, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was surrendered to the will of God the Father. And if he wouldn't have been, then none of us would have victory in life. You see, the second part of the surrendering is we need to surrender in repenting of our sin that remains in our life. We may have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and we've, at that initial moment of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been forgiven. But yet, when we walk away from after saying that prayer, we walk back into our world and we live out the lives that we've always been living and therefore sin's still there. We haven't repented from it and we haven't surrendered our life to God then because God wants us to live a holy life. And a holy life is a successful life and that's the winning life. But it comes at a cost and we have to be willing to repent and turn away from the sin in our life. That sin can be different for each and every one of us at different points in our life. I can't come to you and point out a sin in your life because I've got sin in my life, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you. When you surrender to God and you're obedient to the Father and allow his will to be done in your life, the Holy Spirit then will let you know where you need to repent and the sin that you need to change from your life. Romans 6, 12, 14. And I love this. I love the writings of Paul. The writings of Paul in the book of Romans, you'd think that this guy had it all together. You think that by reading the Bible and you hear about Peter and all them that they had it all together. Well, guess what? They didn't. They made the mistakes that you and I make still. The difference is that they were surrendered to God and living a holy life. And so they found it successful in winning life and eternity with God because they were continually willing to go back and surrender to his will, to his plan, to repent of the sin. Because see, when we're, we're, a, when we're not repenting of that sin and we're staying trapped in that life, we're staying enslaved to that sin. It becomes our master. It says in Romans 6, 12 through 14, do not let sin control your puny body any longer. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your bodies become wicked, become tools of wickedness. Be used for, for sinning, but give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death and you want to be the tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. Sin need never again be your master. For you are no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you. But you are free under God's favor and mercy. You realize that when you surrender to God's will, when you put your faith and trust in who God is, and that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith and trust in that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, 
to forgive you of your sins and you completely turn your back on that, you are no longer a slave to the, the sins and the, to this world. You're free. You have God's favor and mercy on your life. Our scripture says, obey God because you are his children. Do not slip back into your old ways doing evil because you knew no better. But be holy now, living in everything you do, just as the Lord is holy, who invited you to be his child. He himself said, you must be holy, for I am holy. If we're putting our trust in God, then we need to be like God asked us to be, and that is holy. That means that we're going to have to risk by taking action for God. You're going to have to risk something today, church. Watching online, worshiping with us online, you have to risk something today. If this is just for you to come in and check off a box that I've been to church, you're not taking a risk. Today, you need to risk something and take action for God in your life. Maybe it's that step to that personal relationship and for the very first time, that's taking a risk. Maybe it's surrendering and giving up on what the world has planned for you and, give, and putting your trust and faith in what God has planned for you. Action needs to take place. And some of you are saying, well, I'll just get to it a little bit later. We're not guaranteed later. You can see that we're living in a world that, that's coming to an end. You know, we're, we can mask all that's going on in the world this, this, this week and next week because of the Olympics. We all can celebrate these, these great athletes and these, these great accomplishments that these people are doing, and, and it's amazing. I mean, it, it really is. But yet, behind the scenes, the evil is still on the rise in the world. You know, I read a story this week about just uh, it's uh, road 216. It's between Rio and one of the soccer stadiums in Rio. And, and we, we, we can highlight what's going on in those soccer stadiums. We can highlight what's going on in the games. But on road 216, you know what's happening? Nine-year-old children are being sold into sex slavery. We don't hear that story, do we? The world is an evil place, and it's getting more and more corrupt and evil each and every day. And it's going to come to an end. And where are we going to be? Are we going to be those people who are just standing on a sideline saying, I came to church and I checked the box and, and I'm covered just by my salvation? Or are we going to be those people that are living a holy life before God, completely surrendered to him, trying to make a difference in the life, being light in the world so that others maybe have the opportunity to know them so they can have winning life? And winning life isn't necessarily going to happen here on this side of the world. Winning life is going to happen in eternity with God in heaven. That's where we win. Psalm 63 talks about sometimes we see the people that are, that they just don't, doesn't seem like they're struggling at all. And they don't have a relationship with God and they have everything. But yet I'm the one that's surrendered to God and, and we're struggling so bad. Why is that? Because, because my, my reward isn't in this world. My reward is not in this earth. It's in heaven with God. That's where we win. And we have to take the risks in order to get there, people. We have to take risks. Today is a day of action. Next week, we're going to talk about the game of operation and how we need to maybe even dive into ourselves a little bit more. And, and you know what? And, and as we walk this journey and we take these risks, there's times when we climb, climb the ladder, and boy, we slide right back down the slide. But yet, we have to get back up. 
in order to win the game. Are you willing to take action today? It says in 1 Peter 4, 7 through, uh, 4, 7 through 10, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest, thoughtful men of prayer. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love makes up for many of your faults. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay for the night. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help others. Passing on others, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. You see, God's given each and every one of us a special ability. Are we using it for him, or are we just sitting on it? You know, I love what um, David Bodiah and Steele Johnson said this week in the Olympics. They're the platform sacred diving gold medalist for the United States. You know, and that's not what they want to be known for. They came off the platform, and in their interview, they said, our identity is not in the fact that we won gold or the fact that we are great divers. Our identity is in Jesus Christ, who gave us the ability to do what they do. You know what I love about my children, and I'll, I'll, I'll brag on them because I love them dearly. You know, the song Gracie sang today was Danger Zone. That's her walkout theme song. When she makes finals, she's a big Kenny Loggins fan. So that's her theme song that she gets pumped up about before getting in the water. But you know what I love about her and, and Jackson before they get behind the blocks? They pray. They say whatever happens in the pool happens because of you, God. Their identity isn't what they're doing in the water. Their identity is in Christ. Where's our identity? How are we using the abilities that God's given us to bring him glory? Each and every one of you sitting here this morning has an ability that can be used for God's service. Maybe that's your risk today. Are you willing to step up and, and to the plate and take that risk? Are you willing to surrender to him? Are you willing to put your faith in him? Are you willing to put your trust in him? Are you willing to repent and turn away from the sin in your life so you can have victory and risk it all? You see, when you do that, you'll win in life because you'll have life to the fullness of what God has for you. In John 10, 10, it says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know who the thief is? It's Satan. You know who the king of this world is? Satan. And so the things of this world, for the most part, are trying to kill, steal, and destroy each and every one of us. And if we give more into that than we give into God, then, then we will be killed, destroyed. But we can be victorious by putting the risks that God requires in our lives into him. Are we willing to stand alone? I love this picture. I found this picture as an illustration this week when I was going through my message. It's this sunflower. I love sunflowers. I think they're awesome. They grow tall. They're pretty. When they start to die, they don't look so good. But, you know, here's the sunflower. This sunflower is willing to stand alone amongst other sunflowers. It's willing to stand on its own, be taller, brighter than everything else. It didn't conform to the rest of that field. That sunflower took risk. Are we willing to stand like that sunflower? Are we willing to stand out and set ourselves apart from what the rest of the field looks like? You're being required to take action today. Maybe for some of you this morning, God is calling you to risk some, some things. Is it your reputation? 
Is it, is it by taking a more solid stand for him in the work that, that at work? Is it maybe to stop engaging in a conversation that, that you shouldn't be engaging with in, in the workplace? Is it maybe by taking your, your break at work and opening up your Bible and reading it or praying at your desk? Is it by talking to people that don't believe in Jesus about Jesus? building relationships with people that don't believe the same way you do? Is it about risking your life savings because you're building up, building up for these riches that guess what, one day are gonna just disappear because you're not taking them with you in the grave? Are you willing to risk to give to his cause? Are you willing to risk to share with the needy and the less fortunate of this world? Are you willing to risk the time and energy you have to bring people to him, to take care of people that are, that are less fortunate than you? Are you willing to take risks to serve God? Are you willing, men, to take a risk this September and to set aside everything else and to risk spending time with other men to learn more about a relationship with God by going to men's advance? If you're willing to risk that, then sign up at the table. Don't walk away here without signing up. Are you willing to risk to serve other people beyond yourself? To be maybe a positive light in some young girl's life through the volunteering for Seeker Keeper Girl? Then go to the table immediately after the service and sign up. Are you willing to risk by setting aside your own time and agenda on a Friday evening to go and help kids that don't necessarily have the school supplies they need to get back to school to be able to hand out those school supplies at Livingston? You're willing to risk a few hours of your day to serve other people? Then go sign up at the table. Are you willing to risk the fact that you maybe need to step up, men, and be the spiritual leaders of your home? And how awkward that may feel to say, hey, call the family together for family prayer or to read a devotional together? Are you willing to risk? You know, I'm not just saying this and standing on a pedestal saying that I'm good, great with all these things because there are some risks that I need to take. You see, it requires us to take risk if we're going to be willing to win in life. You know, I'm going to, uh, Pam, can you hand me that basket that's right there at the top of the step? I forgot to bring it over with me. Maybe today you need to risk. And you know, we've talked about, Buddy has talked about it, Gay's talked about it, we've talked about it by coming out to the table and seeing us at the table to, to talk about the relationship with Jesus Christ so that we could talk to you a little bit about what this bracelet means. I'm asking for a greater risk today. Are you willing to risk the feelings of feeling uncomfortable to come stand down here in the front of the stage and for me to be able to pray for you and for us to walk together this journey and to learn about a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm willing to stand there alone, whether no one joins me or not, because I know that it takes risk in putting our faith and trust in God to see things that need to be done. You see, Leonard Ravenhill writes this, and I love this quote. He says, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man, that's me, I'm only righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, out of the unholy world and make that man holy and put him back into that unholy world and to keep him holy in it. Are you willing to be the sunflower in the field of your life? Father, we come before you today and we just ask that you just be with us in these next moments as we worship, Lord, to this song. I love this song, Father, and I love that you inspired someone to use their abilities to write this song 
so that we could worship to it, Lord. I'm so grateful that, Lord, this song talks about exactly what it is that you want from us, and that's surrender. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Jason, I, you know, I want to surrender, and I, I, I want to risk taking that step for this day to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, you can simply do this with every head bowed, Every eye closed, you can simply pray this prayer. You can, you can pray this prayer online if you're worshiping with us there and, and let the online pastor know. But you pray this. You say, Lord, I come before you and I know that I'm a sinner. And I've made mistakes. And I realize that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins. And I accept him as my savior. And then just thank God. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in my life. Maybe you've had that relationship with Jesus Christ and you just need to recommit it back to him and saying, Lord, you know what? There are some things I need to risk. I need to step out today. Would you, in these next moments, give me the strength to admit that and to take that step of action by coming forward so we can be prayed for today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer for salvation today, would you just risk by even just putting your hand in the air and putting it right back down that you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Thank you. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask another risk for you today. I'm going to ask for you to join me up front so I can give you one of these bracelets so that it can be a reminder of the risk that you took today. That you were willing to surrender your life to Christ. We give you all the praise and all the glory of what you're going to do, Lord, in these next moments. So let us just let our hearts be focused in on worshiping you and the surrender you want from our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and worship this morning and uh, let's all surrender this morning to him.